In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Nineteen years ago, when I was ordained a deacon, I had two classmates here in the States, and so the three of us were ordained together, Father Andrew Fisher and Father James Hudgens. Um, Since ethnic jokes are not appropriate from the pulpit, let me tell you a story about three men, one named Fisher, one named Hudgens, and one named Pollard. They were stuck on a deserted island. It was a miserable place. Don't, don't think of a, of, of a South Pacific island paradise. It was a, a, a God-forsaken, miserable place, and they were stuck there. And all of a sudden, an angel appeared to them. And the angel said, I can grant you one wish each. And so they all three thought about it. And the angel asked first, Father Hudgens, what his wish is. And he he was born in Colorado and grew up in the Rockies. And he said, I want to be in Colorado. And boom, all of a sudden, he's off in Colorado, totally happy. Next question for the man named Fisher. He, he was a college baseball player, Division I. Immediately he said, of course, I want to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Boom, he's there. He's totally happy. And the last one left is Pollard. And the angel asks Pollard, so what do you want? And he says, well, I want my friends back with me. <laughs> it makes obvious sense that if someone is already in heaven, if we love them, we will not wish for them to come back. Think about that when our Lord raises the dead. It is absolutely certain that this man was not in heaven. Otherwise, it would have been cruel and unusual to snatch him out of heaven and drag him down here into a valley of tears just so that his mother can cheer up. No, impossible. Now, granted, too, you know, because you know the faith, our Lord has not yet died on the cross. Heaven is not yet a possibility. So at best... He's in limbo with the, those who are awaiting to go to heaven, but they're not in heaven yet. Lazarus, he wasn't in heaven. God did not snatch him out of heaven so that our Lord could see his friend again and Martha and Mary could have their brother back temporarily. We desire heaven. And so it's appropriate, there's a great saint, St. Philip Neri, really the, the second apostle of Rome after St. Peter, or after Saints Peter and Paul. And a beautiful instance is, is recounted still in, in uh, Rome today when the saint went to visit a, uh, a person, I believe a young boy who had died, And prayed that if, uh, if, if this person is not in heaven and did not die in the state of grace, please give him breath again so that he can receive the sacraments. And so he did. And the saint was able to give him the sacraments, and then he passed away and went to heaven. 
And so it would be my prayer then when I visit those who have died and have breathed their last and I'm there blessing their body, or perhaps if I was there just after they died and I'm able to give them the sacraments, I would pray that they wake up if they need to go to confession to be able to receive the sacraments. And then they can pass away and go to heaven. If our imagine were fully functioning, we would, we would be able to taste heaven already and desire it for everyone and be almost envious of those who are already there. Twenty-one years ago, or rather 22 years ago, just before I left to go to Rome, Dad was in the hospital, I'm, I beg your pardon, 23 years ago, right before I entered the seminary. My father was in the hospital. I was out on the West Coast visiting St. Michael's Abbey, the very good Norbertine Abbey on the West Coast in California. And Dad all of a sudden was in the hospital, so our leisurely trip across the country turned into a perfectly legal 50-hour coast-to-coast drive from California to Virginia. My brother's brand-new pickup truck had an air mattress in the back, so we were able to uh, switch drivers fully rested and um, unfortunately not taking the sights. When we finally got here to Alexandria Hospital, where Dad would die three years later, where I was born as well, it turns out Dad had had a heart attack, but didn't tell anybody. And there was some residual uh, heart damage, so he needed to have a catheterization. And what came out of that traumatic experience was, in conversation with Dad, was the realization that Dad was not afraid to die. He was just afraid of pain. We need to explain that, too. Dad was a Marine of 17 years. So for Dad to say he was afraid of pain does not mean that he was afraid of a little bit of pain. This is the same man who, in driving me to Chicago to drop me off for college, was willing to be packed into the passenger seat so tightly with packages and boxes at his feet that he ended up breaking his ankle and did not tell anybody. I think a doctor discovered it a few days later. What was the kind of pain that Dad was afraid of? The kind of pain that makes you crazy, that makes you do bad things, that make you, makes you say bad things, that causes you to sin. He was not afraid to die, and he was not afraid to suffer. The only thing he was afraid of is not going to heaven. So between Father Gould and my brother and Father Richardson, my, my dad was anointed several times on his last day on earth. Hopefully, he's there already. But it's a, it's a great last lesson. We don't, we don't learn it as early as we ought to because death is usually so remote from our homes. But we should desire heaven and only fear that which would prevent us from experiencing it. A great spiritual father, Saint Irenaeus, or rather Saint Ignatius of Antioch, 
in this morning's Office of Readings gives the classic uh, lesson in this regard. He's been sentenced to death, and he's on his way to Rome, and he's pleading with the Romans. He sends a letter ahead of his arrival in Rome, begging them not to do anything rash because they don't want him to die. He says to them, through my prayers, I have been granted the favor of seeing you, my holy brothers, face to face, as indeed I have constantly asked. I now hope to embrace you as a prisoner in Christ Jesus, provided that it is God's will for me to be found worthy to the end. For a good start has been made, if only I may gain the grace to secure my prize without hindrance. For I fear that your love may harm me. It is easy for you to do as you wish, but hard for me to attain to God if you should not allow me to be martyred. I wish you to please God and not men, as indeed you are doing. I shall never again have such an opportunity to get to God, nor will you, if you keep silent, ever have the credit for the greater achievement. If you keep silent about me, I become a word of God. But if you love me in the flesh, I become a meaningless cry. Grant me no more than to be made a sacrifice to God while there is still an altar at hand. Thus you may form a choir of love and sing praise to the Father in Christ Jesus for so graciously summoning the Bishop of Syria from the sun's rising to come to the place of its setting. It is a fine thing for me to set with the sun, leaving the world and going to God that I may rise in him. Those of you who were here a month ago and heard Father Douglas speak, not from Syria, but from Iraq, heard very similar words. He said, plain as day, any man being ordained in Iraq knows that he will not die a natural death. Almost every country that has seen the Catholic Church has seen a time when priests knew that they would be killed on the street. The Venerable English College in Rome has an altar where the men in the 1600s would go to pray after their ordination before being shipped off to England where they knew they would die. And the wall bears their names, many names. Let us all then love God and love his company so much that we desire heaven for ourselves and for each other, that we mourn for the dead, but praise our martyrs and thank those who are willing to become witnesses of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.